Hello, welcome back to Lean Agile Escalator, a podcast of stories and tips to help you bring your Lean Agile leadership to the next level. My name is Jorge Tavares. I'm your host and coach. Today, I will tell you the story about Jamie, VP of Information Technology Services, or ITS, at SIPCOM International. About a year ago, Jamie gave her direct reports, Sonia, Derek, and Sangita, the mandate to make the ITS team agile in one year. She explained to them that it was a corporate directive to increase business agility as part of their five-year strategic plan. And since Agile applied mostly to technology, they needed to lead the change, starting with their delivery and sustainment practices. A year had passed, and Jamie expressed her concerns that her team was not ready to support the expansion of Agile to the rest of the company, arguing that the speed and predictability of delivery had not yet improved. She suspected that her teams did not understand how to do it, and now she wanted to get them some coaching and an extra set of eyes on their Agile practices. Sonia, Director of Enterprise Applications, was the first of Jamie's direct reports that I interviewed with. She gave me an overview of how they had established Scrum teams. She showed me their sprint cadence and event calendar. She also shared the list of projects and their portfolio delivery roadmap for the year. Sonia, who normally determines the projects that your teams will work on? I asked. Jamie does. She replied, she negotiates the list of priorities with the delivery committee and determines what ITS can and cannot do during that year, depending on the budget that we got. She's very good at protecting our teams from ad hoc requests or scope changes. I see, I said, continuing the interview. So when unplanned events happen, for example, a request from a high profile client or when project assumptions are proven wrong and you have to pivot, How are those events handled? Well, it depends, but it mostly involves someone writing an assessment document with recommendations. Then it is sent to us for review, referring to her and her peers, and then it is sent to Jamie and the committee for approval, she answered. Okay, Jamie and the committee, I confirmed. How else is Jamie involved in the project? Well, she is quite invested. For example, she attends some of the team's sprint demos and gives them feedback or ideas for future iterations. As I continued my interviews with Sonia, her peers, and some key members of their teams, patterns became evident. But one that prevailed was Jamie's involvement in many of the team's activities, decisions, prioritization, and planning. This, while it didn't seem to bother Jamie's direct reports, because it was simply perceived as Jamie's style, They recognized it was one of the contributors to the slow growth and was hampering the speed of delivery. When discussed the initial findings with Jamie, barely any of it came as a surprise to her. Oh, I know too well what they think of me, Jamie expressed with resentment. They think I'm a micromanager and that I get involved in everything, while in fact, I want nothing more but for them to succeed. I want them to be autonomous so I don't have to be in everything all the time but they rely too much on me for making all the decisions. And why do you think that is, Jamie? I asked. Could it be force of habit, codependency that has been there for far too long? That is most likely the case. Do you think that it can be changed by having clear expectations and commitment from everyone? Oh, I'm willing to make changes as long as the directors and I have three things. A, 
the information that we need when we need it, B, the team demonstrates they understand where the company is heading and how to make our clients happy, and C, I still get to make decisions on critical matters that have an impact on the bottom line of the company. Well, I think you just described some fundamentals for decentralizing decision-making, Jamie, I explained, which is particularly valuable for organizations who are looking to increase innovation, motivation, tribal knowledge, and collaboration. While it may take some time and getting used to, like any change, it can be achieved with open communication, expectation settings, and persistence. Well, sign me up. Innovation is mostly what this company needs, she said conclusively. After talking company strategic goals and other important areas to work on near-term and long-term, Jamie recognized that she was a big catalyst between ITS and the organization to foster a new way of working and that they were going to have to take a leap of faith and preserve a growth mindset throughout. With some assistance, Jamie and her direct reports planned workshops with the ITS Scrum teams focused on three things. First, setting a path to organizing around value. Second, performing retrospectives and problem solving. And third, empowering them. Some of these facilitated conversations were truly uncomfortable. Honesty can be that way. However, everyone maintained a professional attitude towards their feedback and the problem solving. By establishing expectations and commitments with Jamie and the directors, the teams were able to define their value propositions and rules of engagement, including boundaries around decision-making and communication. On the other hand, Jamie also began enrolling executive support by dripping pieces of communication in well-established channels and meetings, focused around the need to organize around value and empowering the teams to promote innovation. It has only been a few months since they started working under the new agreement, and not everything is perfect. They're still figuring out how to improve on speed and predictability. Also, there have been a few times where they've had, had to call each other out on their agreement on either relevancy of information shared with leadership or too much leadership involvement in the day-to-day. However, the conversation is now more transparent, and they're focused on learning and improving. They know not everything is perfect, but they make time to listen to one another, maintaining a professional attitude. In a few conversations with different team members and observing some of their behaviors, they seem to feel more empowered. You could hear more creativity and innovation in their day-to-day conversation, and they carry proudly the responsibility and respect that decentralizing decision-making has given them. Before we go, I want to make a call to all Lean Agile coaches out there listening. Part of our work relies a lot on our stories and experience. Some of us have visible scars that we wear proudly. Let us hear your stories and motivate others or help them get unstuck. So if you or someone you know have a story on enterprise-wide problems solved with a Lean Agile approach, please contact us. We would love to feature your story. You could find our email and other forms of communication on our website, www.exequorconsulting.com slash podcast. That is E-X-E-Q-U-O-R consulting.com. This was the fourth episode of the Lean Agile Scalator, a podcast of stories and tips to help you bring your Lean Agile leadership to the next level. My name is Jorge Tavares, your host and coach. Until next time.